This episode of Spawned is brought to you by the brand new Berry Berry Cheerios, which has the delicious taste of real berries in every bite. Find it now in a supermarket near you. Hello and welcome to Spawn, a common sense and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Kristen Chase. And I'm Liz Gumbiner, and we're the co-founders of CoolMomPicks.com. And on today's episode of Spawn, we're going to talk about Meryl Streep's Golden Globe speech. Hey, everyone's talking about it anyway. We might as well, Kristen. Yeah, we're all about bandwagons around here. <laughs> and of course, we'll end with our own cool picks of the week. So... This was quite the uh, incident this week, huh? Yeah, and you know, I haven't had cable for a couple of years, but I got a great deal thanks to Fios. <gasps> Ooh, we're getting ours installed this week. I can't wait. Yeah, I couldn't pass it up. So I actually got to watch the Golden Globes live, which I haven't done in a couple of years, and I am so glad that I did, and I'm so glad that I was able to stay up long enough to see Meryl Streep speak. Yeah, and obviously, a lot of people feel the same way, or of course, if you haven't seen it, if you're like one of the three people left <laughs> that have been, I don't know, busy with other things, um, you can catch it pretty much anywhere online. If you go on YouTube and just search for Meryl Streep Golden Globe speech, you'll see it. I know. The last 48 hours, it's been just every single post in my Facebook feed has been her speech or an article about her speech. And I think it's like the culmination of so many different themes and topics and issues we've been all discussing over the past year. It was like this timely, perfect moment. What was your first thought when she gave her speech? Well, first of all, I was just amazed at her memory, given her age, <laughs> because I'm like, why am I well, forgetting? 67 is not so old. But, but I mean, I'm 40 <laughs> and I can't remember like two things on my to-do list. And she remembered like a dozen movie stars birthplaces. Well, you know what? That's probably why she got the Lifetime Achievement Award, because she can memorize long monologues. <laughs> <laughs> I guess maybe that's why I'm not an actress. Anyway, I mean, so honestly, that was my first reaction. But as she kept going, I just felt so empowered. I felt like she was saying all the things that I have wanted to say in a public forum. You know, like, yeah. I feel as though we speak on our Facebook page and for the most part, it's our friends. They're people that agree with us. Mm -hmm. And granted, she was speaking to that smaller audience of celebrities in that room. Mm -hmm. but she was speaking to millions and millions of people and she did it so eloquently. So for me, it was like hearing my own voice through a famous actress. <laughs> yeah. Look, I think a lot of people felt the same way. And I think that's why it was so impactful. You know, it's interesting. My first thought, first of all, I was crying. Aww. So admitted bias right here. I mean, I even tweeted that I cried more at what she said than the Carrie Fisher, Debbie Reynolds death montage, which really surprised me. But my first thought was, wow, she's being honored for a lifetime of work. And she didn't talk about her work. She instead used that opportunity to talk about some issue that's been weighing so heavily on her heart that she gave the platform to address that issue. And that's pretty powerful. I mean, it, it clearly affected her so much that she was willing not to talk about her own career or, you know, thank all the people who made it possible, like the typical things you hear in that acceptance speech. And I thought, that's pretty unprecedented. I can't really think of anyone doing something quite so bold. Well, now, I don't know if you've ever done this, but when I was younger and even, I guess, you know, through college, even after, I mean, I had dreams of becoming like a famous actor and I thought about what I would say. Now, granted, it wasn't Golden Globes. It was an Oscars speech. <laughs> and I have always thought about what I would say. And it was never, you know, I'd like to thank the Academy. I'd like to thank the Hollywood Foreign Press and the list of people who... Right. 
hopefully, you know, they've been thanked in one way or another. But right. I've always thought if I had that opportunity, I would use it. I mean, what a platform. That's why you're a good person. And so I always felt like it's my responsibility as like a celebrity you know, again, in my imagination, to make a difference, to stand up for what I believe in and to use that in a positive way. So, you know, I was like all rah-rah. I love that you said that because I think that's where the polarization came in because this has been very controversial, right? Um, And very divided along party lines from what I can see, like everything these days. Um, And, you know, some people were uncomfortable because some people don't think that actors should be using their platforms to talk about politics. So, you know what? Why don't you share what happened when you, you wrote about this on Twitter on Cool Mom Picks. Yeah? Well, barely. I mean, the only thing I said on the Cool Mom Picks Twitter feed, and we we try to keep it really kosher and inclusive, but all I said was, we just want to be able to channel Viola and Meryl Streep every day. Actually, I didn't even say Streep. I just said, we want to be able to channel Viola and Meryl every day. And honestly, it wasn't really about the content so much. You know, when I wrote that, it right. was really about the way that they spoke so eloquently with such grace. Two strong, successful, accomplished women who spoke their minds beautifully, passionately. Yeah. Well, look, I know your brain, so I know exactly what you (laughs) mean by it. But you know what? We had a couple people. Granted, it was only two. You know, maybe more people were silent about it, but they were like, we are unfollowing you right now or... That just earned you an unfollow. <laughs> I love you. Yeah, look, I unfollow people all the time. I, I never understand the whole like, I'm going to make a big statement about unfollowing you. Like as if like, oh, no, let us go erase the tweet and change our entire worldview now. No, 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 please, please, please don't do it. <laughs> they they want us to beg. They well, want here, people to you know beg. What? I think that's actually one of the issues these days, because here's the thing. If we had a Twitter follower or listener or reader who disagreed, I would love to hear their point of view respectfully instead of just unfollow, you know, and look feel free to unfollow us. That's your prerogative. But I'd rather them say, you know what? I had an issue with the speech and here's why. Like, I would appreciate dialogue. And I think part of the issue that's going on now and one of the problems in this country is no one is willing to talk to each other about this stuff. And that we are so completely divided, we are ready to, like, unfriend over politics. Like, dismiss people outright because they said something we don't agree with. It's almost like we don't allow people to be the complex beings that they are. The other thing is we're moms. (laughs) Most of our followers Wait. Our moms or dads. We are. And where are these children in my house? What she was talking about was <laughs> dignity, respect, not making fun of people for disabilities, and not bullying. Now, if we took that out of a political context, right? Take Trump out of the equation, take Meryl Streep out of the equation, and we write about, let's say, books that help teach kids empathy and how to stand up to bullies and how to be kind to others. Don't you think all moms would be? interested in that kind of content? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's the kind of stuff we should be teaching our kids. I'm going to just say it right there. I mean, I know that's a judgment call, but I believe that's what we should be teaching our kids. And that's how we should, you know, be treating others as well with those thoughts in mind. I just kind of feel like we're hitting a point in discourse where, well, I want to say civil discourse, but the civil is missing from the discourse, if there's discourse at all. And I think we need to be able to look at people as complex humans with lots of different points that some of which we may agree with, some of which we may not. And it's almost as if people who supported Trump for president are so invested in standing up for that support that they're not willing to call out something they're uncomfortable with. And I'm having trouble understanding this, honestly, because, look, Hillary supporters were often vocal about, I love you, but I don't like your stand on fracking. Or Bernie supporters would say, I'm a big Bernie fan, but he needs to spend more time on issues of racial justice and 
on issues affecting women. So I think it's great to hold your politicians' feet to the fire and to acknowledge that they could do better in certain areas. And I think, actually, if you're a constituent or a supporter of that particular candidate or leader, you have more say and more of an obligation and probably more influence. So I would love if there were more moms willing to say, look, I voted for Trump for this and this and this reason, but I agree bullying's not okay. And how can we fix that? Oh, Liz. Is that wishful thinking? <laughs> I know. I'm in like, I'm in La La Land. <laughs> Speaking oh, of Golden Globe winners. I wish I could be there. I mean, there's so much to say about this, honestly. I mean, I, I think, <laughs> yeah. I think there's a reason why we are able to call out the things when it comes to Bernie and Hillary, because at a base level, I mean, I, I don't know. I can't say anything without being super mean, but they're like decent human beings. I mean, I'm sorry, but I'm just They're good people it. with flaws versus deeply flawed people with <laughs> perhaps yeah, a exactly. redeeming point or two. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, at their basic level, I think we're talking apples and oranges when it comes to Yeah, that. and here's where we disclaim for our new listeners, we did not vote for Trump. <laughs> just putting that God. out there. In case it's not clear. <laughs> Whew, this is hard. I'm squeezing my butt cheeks together. <laughs> try to be able to not like go off on a tangent. But here's the thing. I agree with you when it comes down to it. But the problem is, Liz, no one can take that out of it. Meryl Streep, she did get political. I mean, she spoke specifically without naming him. That was brilliant. She took a page from Michelle Obama's book and totally didn't name him, but talked about the general situation and the issues that we were facing. We can't tell people, listen, like, don't get political about this. Try to look at the bigger meaning because she did get political. Sure. But there were some important things to be said. Now, what did Timothy Simons, who plays Jonah on Veep, so he kind of went on a tangent or on a rampage or whatever he went on on Twitter. What did he say? Okay, so there's two general lines of dissent for people who are uncomfortable with what she said. One is that you are the Hollywood elite who is out of touch, and another is Hollywood people shouldn't talk about politics. You know, stick with your art. Um, which is something Travis Tritt tweeted and has been defending for 24 hours straight. Because, um, hold on. I mean, we watch these award shows. We love it. I mean, it's fantasy to the general population, right, when we watch this. It's like, we would love to be them. We want to know what it's like. But do we really want to hear them stand up there and thank what they, they all generally do for the most part. They thank their partner. Thanks for this agent for taking 10%. Thanks for this manager for taking 15%. Thanks for this lawyer for taking another 10%. Right. I mean, <laughs> we, we just can't have it both ways. You right. know, we can't have it where they just go up there and then we complain about it. And then they go up there and do something else and then we complain about it. Right. It's like we're never going to be, what do you want, Travis Tritt? Well, listen, I think the kind of claim of like the Hollywood elitist thing, he took down beautifully. Timothy Simons, yeah, so you guys probably best know him as Jonah on Veep. He's a brilliant writer improv guy, comedian, actor. He's great. And he went off on a NSFW uh, Twitter rant. You can follow him at Timothy C. (laughs) Simons on Twitter. And I'm just going to kind of go through some of it because it's a 10-part tweet from January 9th. Okay. Fuck all this. Stop with the fucking Hollywood elitist, we don't know hardworking Americans bullshit. You elected a game show host in Reagan. (laughs) Okay, so humor. (laughs) And then he says, this is the good point. I really like this. Yes, there are actors in TV and film, but there are also truck drivers, electricians, carpenters, painters, security guards, graphic designers, set designers, accountants, assistants, PAs, assistant directors, welders, prop designers, costumers, dressers, catering, TV and film employ top to bottom any thing you want to be in the world, most of which are union jobs, wages you can raise a family on, all this, and we are one of America's biggest 
fucking exports. Ah, yes. There's a little more than that. But, you know, as someone who's been working on sets for years in advertising, like, it's true. You walk onto a Hollywood set and it's like blue collar, big dudes walking around with hammers and tool belts working hard. And um, I think that's actually kind of mirroring Meryl Streep's original point that you were talking about, where she was naming all these different people who came from all these different places to come here to make a living. And so I I think he took down that whole idea of like Hollywood elite out of touch thing very well. All those people in that room, yes, they seem incredibly privileged compared with us. I have not yet been on a major (laughs) red carpet for an award show. But not everybody are the celebrities in the first two rolls of tables. There's like a lot of makeup artists and, you know, gaffers that got a spare ticket. And I mean, even didn't somebody dedicate one of their awards to um, a PA on the set who had passed away? Yes. I mean, Mm -hmm. a PA, a production assistant, that's like about the lowest level, sometimes unpaid job you could have. So anyway, I thought his point about Hollywood elite really was good. And I always believed that everybody is entitled to stand up for what they believe in and speak out. Meryl Streep is a citizen of the United States under the governance of the same president as the rest of us. She is affected by the laws in the same way. You know, maybe she won't lose her insurance so fast (laughs) as us. Yeah. But um, tell me about it. But, you know, she's a citizen, too. And I don't think the real issue in this country is too many people speaking up about politics. I think the issue is too few people who are involved. I completely agree with you. The the other argument that I keep hearing is like, who is she to speak about this? You know what I mean? Like, she's an actress. And I know that kind of piggybacks on what you're saying. Yeah. But she lives a fairly private life. I mean, mm-hmm. not too many people know about how involved she is in so many causes. Like, this is not something new. Like, I think a lot of people were like, oh, please. She just decided to, like, get up there and start spewing stuff about issues and politics when she's actually super involved in a lot of this stuff. She is. You can look up the charities she's involved with, and it's amazing. She does a lot of work with AIDS charities, social justice charities, Broadway Cares. You know, she's really involved with Girl Up which I love. Yes. And in fact, the Human Rights Campaign is about to honor her with an Ally for Equality Award in February. They just announced it like three weeks ago. So this is a woman who's like really dedicated her life off screen to helping promote the kinds of values she was talking about up on stage. Of course, she has every right to talk about these things. She's also a mother, a union member. (laughs) I mean, she's like a lot of the things we are too. She just can memorize an hour worth of monologue that we can't. (laughs) And do it really well and look really great at 67. Yes, that's the only thing that differentiates us and Meryl Streep. Other than that, Meryl, you and me, simpatico lady. We're the same. One and the same. If you saw us, you would get us confused. It's just that she would know exactly where she's going and we would have yes. no recollection I of where we I too did were. a beautiful love scene in a poignant movie with Kevin Klein back in the late 70s. It was one for the ages. Oh, God. <laughs> also, my accents are not so good. You know what pisses me off, too? Is yeah. that there was this whole thing about how women on the red carpet and how all they get asked are about their dresses and their makeup and their handbags. And then here they are finally seeing something more than like the vain stuff. And they still get criticized. I I swear to God, we can't win. That is such a good point. We're always looking for people to say something more substantive than they do. And we're like, no. Don't do that. Is it the same people, though? I don't know if the same people that are mad. No, it's not the same people, of course. (laughs) 
Of course not. One of the other things I think that was interesting about her speech, and I don't want this to just be the, like, let's defend Meryl Streep episode, even though it kind of is, and that's okay. I think that's <laughs> going to be the title of this episode. <laughs> here's, here's a couple really interesting things, right? She listed calls to action at the end of her speech, which I thought was really brilliant. Like, you know, in advertising, you always say, ask for the order. Like, people don't know what to do if you don't tell them what to do. You can't just be like, new product. You usually say, buy it now, or here's a coupon. And she very specifically told people to embrace the privilege and responsibility of the act of empathy in Hollywood. And I thought that was really great. That was like saying, listen, let's acknowledge our privilege and our platform and the ability we have to promote good values through the work we do and the people that we are. I don't know what's wrong with that, but evidently that's too political for people. And then, you know, specifically she talked about the press and holding power yes. to account and calling them yes. on the carpet and helping to support them. And she mentioned the Committee to Protect Journalists. And you know what's fascinating? Most people don't even know it's kind of small charity. Within 24 hours of her speech, they raised $60,000 in donations. That's fantastic. So this is not just somebody like whining or complaining, as I think it's being disparaged on social media. She already made change happen. $60,000 to people who are going to like defend journalists who are in perilous situations, who are being accused of libel, who's... First Amendment rights are being violated. That's pretty cool. No, that's really <laughs> cool. These Lifetime Achievement Awards, it's like, here you are. Like, let's gush about a person with a movie montage. And then it's kind of over. Have you noticed that? I mean, there haven't been a ton of super memorable Lifetime Achievement Award speeches. Yeah. And so, really, what a way to represent your legacy. You're right. The most memorable, probably, actress of our lives just gained the most memorable, significant speech for a Lifetime Achievement Award, probably. Yeah. And you know what else? A little off the topic, but it took her until she was 67 years old to get this award. I saw it somewhere that George Clooney was like 53 when he got his. Oh, please. Don't even get me started. I know. That's a whole other issue in Hollywood. Anyway, I like what she had to say. I like people who use their platforms to speak up for good. And honestly, judging from the number of people that I'm seeing this week who didn't realize that Obamacare and the Affordable Health Care Act are the same thing, I think more people should be involved and in reading and learning what's going on in the world and about the politics that affect us. And I also would hope that, you know, we could learn to have discussions with each other instead of just unfollowing at a whim or unfriending or tuning out. Like, I like following some people on Twitter who I don't agree with a lot because it opens my eyes. Like, I think there's a really amazing group of conservative pundits who are really intellectually honest. And even though I don't agree with their politics all the time, I really like hearing what they have to say. I've been really interested in hearing Evan McMullen, David Frum, and... You know, uh, <laughs> see, I just want to live in my nice bubble. It was funny you were talking about like you know listening to other people's sides, and you know what? Maybe before this election, I would have honestly. Yeah. But at this point in time, I, I mean, I, those guys that you mentioned, yes, I think they're making sense. Yeah. Like, I feel like they're being logical, somewhat human people. <laughs> but like for me, I've been doing a lot of blocking and a yeah. lot of hiding. No, I understand that too. And I mean, look, that's a whole other issue about protecting yourself on social media. But look, if I follow Anna Navarro on Twitter, I'm not going to agree with every policy choice she makes. But I also understand that she's a human with a good heart doing what she thinks is best for the country and what she believes is right. And I'm interested in hearing that other perspective. That's kind of what I want to take away from this. Did you share this with your kids, by the way? No, I mean, not really. My oldest, you know, she's 12 mm -hmm. and she might have gone to bed before then. I forget what time it came on. Yeah. I didn't feel moved necessarily to play it for her later, you know, 
know, I might. And she might have already seen it. She talks about a lot of this stuff at her new school. So that's pretty cool. But yeah, that is my cool. other kids, no, I didn't play it for them. But I know you did, right? You played it for your girls. I did. I played it for them. And honestly, they like tuned out a little with all the names of places that they never heard of before. Yeah, that's <laughs> up front. But, you know, when we got to the other stuff, they were really interested. And by the way, my sixth grader, they had to study the song Strange Fruit in class this week because of the artist who agreed to perform at the inauguration, if only she could sing it. If you guys aren't familiar with it, please look it up. It's a song about, you know, the Jim Crow laws in the South. It's pretty heavy. Wow. And it's awesome. My kids are, like yours, very involved with this and very interested. So I kind of boiled it down for them into a few points, which is she was talking about, one, it's not nice to be mean to disabled people or differently abled people or different people, right? That's kind of how she started, where she said the biggest performance that really struck her this year was... Not an actor. Yeah, not an actor. <laughs> a real person. And it wasn't even, you know, a script that he was making fun of and mocking. Well, I love that because that's a lesson that a small child or a tween or teen, like that lesson is something that any child and heck, adult can learn from. But it's one that I think people really need to continue to hear over and over again. Absolutely. I'm glad you put it that way, too, because we, we keep reinforcing it over and over. The other thing is that she talked about mutual respect and empathy and how important that is in your life. And we've talked about that, too. We've talked about, like, if you're going to put a safety pin on your jacket, you better know what that means and how you're going to stand up for people if the time arises. And we've talked about, you know, how to behave with kids that have different lives than you do or look different than you do or have different backgrounds. And I think that's always an important lesson for kids, no matter what, no matter what your politics. Well, any opportunity to talk about empathy with kids, I think, is really important. I, I think it's very difficult. I mean, my kids are privileged. They go to a school where pretty much everyone in the school is privileged. I think they have a couple kids in there mm -hmm. that get free lunch or reduced lunch. But for the most part, everyone that that they're surrounded with is the same as them and they're also very privileged and so any opportunity to talk to kids about empathy and understanding the different experiences that people have yeah I grab those and use those as teaching moments anytime yeah. I can yeah I think this is all good teaching moments and then really the third point I talked about because they like to act and they do art they perform so I talked about how she talked about how artists really have this special obligation to be truthful with their work and use it for good and that I think the arts are going to be incredibly important in the coming year because artists have always created movements and dissent and revolutions and, you know, spoke truth to power through their work, whatever that may be. So I talked to them about, you know, how they use their own work to create things that are meaningful to them. And it's funny, if you think about it, my kids kind of create their own protest art. Like, I see them goofing around with meme generators online or, you know, playing with Procreate on the iPad and drawing images and making slogans. And so they're kind of already do that as a way of channeling what they're feeling about what's going on in the world. So it's kind of cool to talk to kids about how they can use their creativity and their expression to talk about the things that are important to them, too, even if no one sees it. Well, yeah, and that's why art is so powerful. And by art, I mean dance and music. And heck, I mean, I was a music therapist, so I know firsthand the power of the arts and how they can be life-changing and world-changing. And so I'm so glad. I mean, look at the play Hamilton. It's unbelievable. That's like changing the entire culture, let alone all of theater. It's pretty cool. And you know what I realized 
This is interesting. So my daughter, I told you, they're kind of doing this program right now, kind of on activism in school. And it's really interesting. And one of her assignments, and all the kids had this assignment, was to draw something that represented equality for women. Ah, yes. And Thalia thought a lot about what she was going to do. And she ended up drawing this kind of little anime drawing. And I was kind of blown away. Here, I get to be like the the braggy mom. Okay, (laughs) go for it. I was blown away by the concept. She drew herself in a pink kind of princess dress, which is funny because she doesn't dress like that, and a tiara. (laughs) And then she drew herself in a knight's outfit holding up a sword with like blood all over her. Mm. And it said, no matter how you see me, I can slay a dragon. Wow. That's awesome. I thought that was amazing. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Like, not just, you know, I can slay a dragon, I'm a woman, but it doesn't matter what I look like on the outside, here's who I am on the inside. And it made me think, you know what? Kids are listening. (laughs) They hear what we say, they take our cues, they know what's going on in the news, they talk to their friends at school, even young kids. I mean, I've talked to kids as young as first and second grade, they know what's going on. And all this talk about women and equality, and you know, it's now impacted her and infiltrated her consciousness, and it's coming out in her art. And I was really, I was really proud. (laughs) I I would be proud. I love that. That's awesome. I know. I think I should make it into a t-shirt for all of us to wear to the march uh, on Washington on the 21st. Yes. Oh, that's such a great idea. Please do that. Come on, Liz. Okay, I made it. You don't have anything else to do? Get that done. (laughs) I'm not very busy. (laughs) But you know what? I'm really glad we talked about this because, look, obviously we are coming from very similar perspectives, but I wouldn't mind hearing from listeners who have a different perspective. Yes. You know, maybe Mm -hmm. you like Meryl Streep, but you didn't like what she had to say. Maybe you are liberal, but don't think actors should be speaking out about politics. Or maybe you think there's like a balance somewhere in the middle. I I just, I like hearing all the different perspectives when they're presented respectfully. And I I wish we could have more dialogue like that. So if you want to chat with us about it, you can feel free to drop us an email, which is pretty anonymous, at spawned at coolmompics.com. You can find us on Twitter at coolmompics using the hashtag spawned show, or we are on Facebook all the time. We'll be back with our cool picks of the week after this. So, Kristen, we have a brand new sponsor this year to welcome in the new year. Yes, very, very Cheerios. And Mm. let me say, they did not pay me to say this, my kids are obsessed with this stuff. It's really good. Yeah, it is really good. My kids, you know, we got a bunch of boxes sent to our house. Thank you, very, very Cheerios. And I have to say, those boxes are no more. Yeah. (laughs) They've eaten them all. My kids went through two boxes like nothing. It was crazy. What they love is that it kind of tastes like berries on every bite of Cheerios right? Very, very Cheerios. That's probably how they came up with the name. What do you think? (laughs) (laughs) I think you're on to something, Liz. And you did an awesome video to help bring it to life. That's really funny if our listeners haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I know. You head over to coolmompics.com and if you search for Very Berry Cheerios, you will see my two youngest girls attempting to make their own version of Very Berry Cheerios, which we have to say, cautionary tale, (laughs) leave cereal making to the experts and not to children with a garden. Keep the garlic presses (laughs) and the berries away from the (laughs) six-year-old. Anyway, you were very kind to let them do that to your kitchen for the purpose of us all laughing at the video. (laughs) And you know, I've been going gluten-free for a few months now, so they're gluten-free and they contain no artificial flavors or colors from artificial sources and whole grain oats are the very first ingredient. That definitely helps me justify the fact that my kids ate two boxes in a week. (laughs) (laughs) So if you want more information, you can head over to Cheerios.com or find Very Berry Cheerios at a supermarket near you. So now it's time for... 
Cool Fix of the Week. You want to kick it off, Kristen? Yes. So last week we talked about one word resolutions. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about like self and care. And you know what? I just feel like I need a little pick me up uh-huh. during the month. <laughs> <laughs> I need a little something for myself because I don't know. I think it's pervasive with moms, right? We take care of everybody else. We don't take care of ourselves. Yeah. And one of the things I was eyeing as a way to do that is um, Cause Box, which oh. we featured on Cool Mom Picks. Yeah. Now, I haven't ordered it yet, but it's on my list the very, very top. And it's it's so cute. It's a do-good subscription box. Yeah, I haven't actually looked at it that closely, but I've heard great things about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, so you can order the subscription or you can just order a box and then everything inside the boxes supports some sort of cause. And I have to say, the stuff looks really cool. And, you know, I love jewelry. There's one box with like a really cute mug and then a framed print with the word hope oh. and then a great necklace. I don't know. I just feel like Getting something in the mail like that and knowing, A, that it's supporting great causes and B, that I just, I get to treat myself at the same time. You know, of course, it's a great birthday gift for somebody else, but. It's all about me, Liz. I think that's nice. <laughs> also, you know, the recent one, the winter box that they just sent out, I believe there was a scarf in it designed by our friend Aaron Lochner of Design for All Mankind. So that's kind of oh. cool that they're partnering with some really interesting cause-oriented bloggers to help create cool stuff, too. Yeah, it's neat. And, you know, look, I know that we've featured a ton of subscription boxes, but oh, yeah. I don't know. I like them. <laughs> it's nice getting mail that's not a bill. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What do you have? Okay. So mine, because we do need a break from all the politics and things going on in the world, let's go back in time a little bit, family. <laughs> We've been playing um, family game night a lot more ever since the holidays. My kids got games galore from everybody for this holiday. Yeah. Well, actually, we gave a lot of games. I'm a yeah. huge fan. Yeah. Big fan And of so games. we've got so many cool new things to try. So anyway, um, my boyfriend was up with his two girls and my girls. So we had like the big lot of us. And so we were looking for the games that would be great for lots of players. And we received a game called Ticket to Ride. Have you played this? Yes, we have it is that one. So my kids fun. love it. It's my kids awesome. Love it. Well, his daughter got Ticket to Ride from my uh, sister-in-law. And then coincidentally, John and I from his sister got the European version, which is new, of Ticket to Ride. So oh, we you two. guys are so worldly. I know. We you. went from zero to oh. 60. So <laughs> anyway, if you guys don't know it, it's kind of like Risk in a way, oh. where it's this kind of cross-country map of the United States. And there's all different railway stations that mark the different cities and you basically get a card that indicates a route you have to try to complete by playing certain cards and like owning that route kind of like in how monopoly you can kind of buy um, properties and like end up owning a monopoly so and you're trying to kind of connect all your trains from route to route to route but it's like very strategic and really really fun and even though it took us like an hour and a half to figure out how to get it set up <laughs> the gameplay is only like an hour or so so it's not like Monopoly I'm laughing because I actually have not played it I've only watched my kids play it and even my six-year-old can play it she actually was the first one to kind of figure it out with my fiance oh it's really fun it's great yeah. and it's from yeah. like a small toy maker called Days of Wonder and so I love supporting small toy makers too but also if you guys already have it the European one is so fun. They make it more complex. First of all, it's like got all the old-fashioned names of European cities like Constantinople. So the kids are like struggling trying to read dun, like dun, dun, Constantinople. Exactly. <laughs> They're trying to figure out what all the stuff means. It's a great way to like look at all the different countries and get a sense of the world map. And they make it a little harder by adding things like tunnels and ferries. So it's like a little more complex. Super fun. I made sure that I had a lot of railways in Russia so that I would be comfortable with our new overlords. 
<laughs> I see what you did there, Liz. I see what you did there. Anyway, it's a really fun game, Ticket to Ride. I'm so glad I learned about it. And thanks to everyone who got us both sets for our gifts this holiday because we are greatly enjoying them. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of Spawned. And, you know, we have to give a shout out to our engineer, John Bowen, who makes us sound so fabulous every week. Yay, John! <laughs> and cuts out some of the curse words. No. <laughs> Not this week. <laughs> Not this week. We love hearing from you. Please, please leave us a review on iTunes and make sure to subscribe. You can actually do it right now if you're on your phone. Just click that subscribe button in the podcast app and be sure to download our episodes. Yeah, that way you can hear even when you're offline, like stuck in the subway tunnel on your commute, like happens to me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Spawn. This is Liz. This is Kristen. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.